It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I didn't record that, damn it. I didn't start recording until just now, but... <sighs> there goes the cold open. We're in trouble. We don't have Casey or Ledman here to say anything stupid. Well, usually they're just making fun of you in the cold open, so... Yeah, or, that's true. Or your dogs are running by. Yeah, well... <laughs> I'm not going to oh. lie. That may be the best cold open we've had. Like, at this point, it's like, why are we even going to try doing cold opens? We're not going to top that. You guys ever listen to Shut Down Fullcast by EDSBS? They, they basically do the cold close. They just find a good joke and stop immediately. So we've gone from puppies interrupting to babies. Babies, yes. Animals. Hey, Lily, can you say hi? Say hi. She, she doesn't want to talk to you assholes. <laughs> all right back back to the solitude of the bedroom oh there it is just me and my cat hanging out (laughs) welcome to the latest edition of the Hammer and Rails podcast. I am your host, Travis Miller, or at least the host this time, since the rest of the crew normally handles this. With us, we have Juan Crespo, who is back in Ann Arbor after getting delayed by the lovely infrastructure that is Amtrak, and he was stuck somewhere between Chicago and Ann Arbor. How are you, Juan? I'm actually doing pretty well. And for the record, I counted, this is the seventh time I've taken Amtrak this year, and it's the first delay that I've had. So, you know what? I'd, I'd, I'd forgive them for this one. It was bound to happen, and I think they got stuck in Chicago with all the other trains and train politics that happens there. So they're forgiven. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, next, we have with us Drew Schneider coming to us from Texas. Uh, also, like me, was on toddler duty earlier tonight, but he is now in the comfort of his bedroom, as he called it his fortress of solitude, I believe. Just a man and his cat and a beer talking football. <laughs> You, my friend, are living the dream. Indeed. Uh, but be- before we get to football, which it does need beer, unfortunately, let's talk a little bit of basketball. And I believe since the last time we podcasted, or at least the last time since the last time I was on this podcast, a major announcement came through. Purdue will be bringing the defending national champions to Mackey Arena as Villanova comes to town. Was announced today that it, that game will be on November. 
15th of 2016, and I believe we found out that this is the first time Purdue hosts the defending champions since uh, 1989 Michigan was the last winner. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. Because, so this, uh, is the biggest, uh, this is our biggest sort of non-conference home game since Duke uh, destroyed us. Is this probably correct? Uh, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I would I say that Duke game, yeah. I would say either this or... I would say the Duke in 2008 or the West Virginia game on New Year's Day 2010. Right, because that was two top ten teams, and uh, West Virginia did go on to the Final Four that year. That was a really, really good game, and uh, it's not very often that you make Huggy Bear just kind of throw his hands up in the air like, I can't do anything, I can't stop this team, and that's kind of what the Baby Boilers did that day. I don't think it had as much offseason hype as this game or the Duke game did, but definitely leading up to it, uh, there was a lot, because at that time, both Purdue and West Virginia were undefeated. One of those teams was going to get knocked or get their first loss. And, well, as they said, Robbie Hahn will put on the clinic in that game. I want to say it was number six versus number four as well. So Juan had mentioned uh, what ticket prices could be on this game, especially on StubHub, and saying that it could be the hottest ticket that we've had since most likely the Duke game. Um, it would, that would be interesting to see because I've routinely seen the Indiana game go for about $200, $250, but I know that's a special circumstance because it's the Indiana game. So uh, what are you guys estimating on this one? I'm going to estimate about $200 for this game, especially for upper bowl tickets. But it could easily fluctuate. I mean, a safe bet would be 150. That's where, like when Michigan State, Ohio State come in, if they're in the top 10, that's where those ticket prices tend to be. I would say anywhere between 150 and 200 then. So how early in the season is this going to be? Like, are we talking like first five games? Or are we talking like within the first 10 games? This is it's... going to be it right towards the beginning because it's November 15th. So that could be... Immediately, because the season will probably start on November 11th. So. Yeah, we, we're confirmed playing uh, Southern Illinois Edwardsville on the 11th. So so this is going to be the actual first game game that we're going to play, right? Right. I mean, there might be... Um, I know that as part of the Cancun event, which is the 22nd and 23rd, we get two home games... Uh, somewhere but somewhere before the 22nd, we've got two home games against likely mid or low major teams that are part of that exempt event since you get to play four in it. I believe this past year it was North Carolina A&T and Vermont were the two games that were part of the Hall of Fame exempt event. So I don't know if SIU Edwardsville will be one of those. I don't know if one of them will be on, say, Sunday the 13th and another, you know, on maybe the 19th. But this will likely be the uh, second or third game of the season. Yeah, so I'm putting those prices around 200 then. I think the first actual chance to see Purdue play an actual team and they're the defending national champs, that's going to be a hot ticket. And nobody's going nobody's gonna to have a loss. Nobody's, you know, there's nothing. There's not going to be anything to take the, you know, the shine off that game. Right. I mean, Villanova, they've got, they lose some stuff, but they'll, they've got enough coming back. They'll be top 15, top 10, maybe even top five. I've seen Purdue kind of in that 21 to 25, maybe 25 to 30 range. So it ought to be one of the better, very early season matchups. I know of the Gavit games there, it's probably the best matchup of the eight. And well, unless you're a basketball purist and you really want to see New York's Big Ten team against Chicago's Big East team and Rutgers versus DePaul. Oh, that's going to be a barn burner. Oh, yeah. I mean, get your tickets now. Get them now. I mean, I saw Rutgers versus DePaul and I almost had to call my doctor four hours later. I was that excited. (laughs) It is thrilling. Speaking of things to get excited about, spring football. Purdue football. I'm ready, Travis. I am pumped. I am ready. I am ready to go talk some Uh, Purdue football. I'm going to sell it to the masses. For you listeners out there, uh, Drew, he he bit the bullet for you guys. He has done the research. He is ready to go. Of all of us, he is actually the most excited about Purdue football, whereas I seriously debated not renewing my tickets. Uh, I've had season tickets since 1987, got them with my parents. Uh, when I was in the second grade, had them every year since then, and I nearly did not get them this year. I am that off on them. Drew, you want to kick us off, or would you like to hear about what went on in the spring game since I was there, or what? Yeah, why don't you warm us up with a little 
tales of the spring game, and then I'll sort of take over and talk some of the nuts and bolts of the roster and what uh, we got looking forward to in the uh, fall. Okay, well, uh, biggest news out of the spring game, of course, was DJ Knox unfortunately went down in a heap, non-contact knee injury, had to be carted off. I don't believe they have confirmed it yet, but... Let's just go ahead and say he's torn an ACL. Yeah, when the coach says, uh, no, don't know, but it's locked up, then it's probably an ACL. Before the MRI, uh, it could be more than just the ACL. So, yeah, he he was down for a good long while. I didn't actually see the play until I saw the replay from BTN, and it it just didn't look good. It looked like he tried to cut left and just went down and – when they had to bring the card out and everything else, it's never good. So you could say Purdue found a way to lose the spring game that way. Knox was a big part of what we had coming back. I thought he kind of disappointed last year, especially after as much hype as he had and as well as he played in the opener at Marshall. But he still was a big part, and having him and Jones in the backfield was going to give Purdue some stability some you know the ability to run the ball pretty well and now he's out so uh, I know that you'll probably break this down with the running backs and I broke it down a little bit more on the site today but other than that I did see some small signs of promise Um, as I said the offense might actually be semi-competent which is not high praise, but uh, semi-competent is a vast improvement over what we had with John Shoup. So I was impressed to see a lot of lot of slants over the middle. The passing game looked better. The uh, offensive line was a bit of a mess, but that's to be expected with very with only nine healthy offensive linemen and probably at least two starters that didn't even play. There were actual points scored, which you could not say the first year under Shoop when it was fourteen nothing, and I think the second year was something like thirteen to seven or something in a spring game. Uh, it is this was seventeen seventeen at halftime, and there were some pretty passes by both quarterbacks. Both of them uh, had some struggles, but I think that was attributed to how bad the offensive line was, but also that the defensive line was getting pressure. And uh, as usual, Markel Jones is awesome. Hopefully, we can get him loose quite a bit. There might actually be a modicum of hope. However, we've been here before, <laughs> so. Travis, could you I talk mean, us just a second about the defensive backs? Were they within 10 yards of the receivers when the ball was snapped? Uh, there were many plays where they were already starting to backpedal. Um, I mean, there were a couple of plays where the quarterbacks would throw a good deep ball. I know Monteroso had a good catch, a good long catch, and so did D'Angelo Yancey, where they just were able to beat the defensive back down the field. But uh, other than that, it was hard to say because I know that they're still sorting out a lot of the defensive back issues. We really don't know who the two starting quarters are going to be. And one of the the only actual defensive back that came up with an interception was walk-on Antonio Blackman, who's been a spring game star for two years in a row now. I think he has three spring game interceptions and, to my knowledge, hasn't even played a down in a real game. So, uh, But that'll be interesting to see. there are, you can also only say so much because I know Marcus Bailey and Juwan Bentley did not play at all, and I'm not sure if uh, Jimmy Herman played. So that's three of your better linebackers that weren't playing either. So it is what it is. You you can take what you can from it. It almost ended in a 17-17 tie, if not for a broken tackle on the last uh, touchdown by Gregory Phillips. I, I think there were some signs of hope, some signs that it's at least going to be better than when it was under Shoop. But when you consider how bad it was under Shoop, that's hardly encouraging. Well, I mean, also keep in mind that how many practices has uh, have we had to install this new system or at least uninstall the old system? Was this like you know, 14 practices or something like that. So if progress, it looks like is being made. I, I would hope that it would uh, carry, continue to carry over. I think that's kind of how I'm going into it is the whole, it can't really be worse than it was. So, And look at it this way. We were not Boston College in their 6-2 to two spring game where they didn't even score a touchdown. So we're at least not worse anymore, right? Uh, well, we were always better than Kansas. So, yay. <laughs> 
And Kansas hey. has a good basketball team. So, yeah. you know what? I'll take it. And you know what? We're better than Syracuse because none of our former players have stabbed any of our current four players this week. Well, now. And then I, I also saw today where we might be better than Rutgers because Rutgers once famously had uh, a game where their spring game was the alumni versus the current team and the alumni had ended up beating them. I mean, maybe that's uh, is oh no, who's there? Who's Rutgers running? Ray Rice. Maybe that's what Ray Rice just do from now on is just go around and play an alumni ga- or alumni games. Purdue alumni might be able. I mean, because if you're considering if Drew Brees is the quarterback of the Purdue alumni team, then yeah, the our alumni would probably beat the current students. And then you have Ryan Kerrigan on defense. One short. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It would it would be a slaughter, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you could probably get a uh, Corey Sheets in there to be running back. They they would they would crush the current Purdue team. All right. So, so Drew, you said you have more reasons for optimism. I'm ready. I'm ready uh, to go. Wait, we'll get Morgan Burke on the line. We'll get the marketing department on the line. It's your job. Sell 40,000 season tickets right now with uh, all your positives that you have for this team. All right. Well, we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. I'm just going to go sort of through position group by position group, um, as exciting as that sounds. But the first place we're going to start is the offensive line. And this is the make is going to be the make or break, I think, position uh, for Purdue, and that's the left tackle. Right now, it's sort of up in the air. They want uh martise patterson to be the guy i think it's gonna be tough for him because he is a not a prototypical left tackle he's uh right now i've seen six three and somewhere between 350 and 355 does he look that big on the field travis did he look that that big out there um, a little bit, yeah, uh, but I, I'm with you. I don't really think that you want your left tackle to be probably in the six 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 seven range and six three. You know, is that just that's susceptible to getting beat and everything? And that's why I that's why I think Hedlund at least had some success because he was a big tall guy rather than just a big guy. Yeah, the I, from everything I hear is Patterson is one of our best athletes on the line. He's an explosive player, but caught. You know, he's just he just has the look of a guy that's going to, if he were to go to the NFL, he would be a guard, um, you know, a left guard, right guard sort of thing. I just think he's going to have, he's got to lose some weight because I can't see him pushing 6'3", 350 in the fourth quarter and having to get the corner on a speed rusher halfway through the fourth quarter at that weight, having to play that that many downs so that's where it is right now there is a potential solution on the way and that being Jalen Neal from uh, Scottsdale Arizona he is the 6'7 310 pound junior college prototype prototypical at least sized left tackle and Purdue signed him to play right away he was supposed to be here this spring there was a problem with one of his credits. He had to, I don't know exactly what, he had to retake one class um, that delayed um, him and really sort of put Purdue in a bind. He will be here in the fall. Cam Sermon, um, the other are, are two tackles. Um, Sermon is out this, this uh, spring with shoulder surgery. He's another guy that's got more prototypical size for the tackle. He's about 6'5" the 300-pound range. He's better at right tackle, but I could also see him playing some left tackle in a pinch and even bumping, uh, you know, Peterson o- over to uh, right tackle where I think he would be better suited as that sort of big mauling um, point of attack sort of uh, tackle. Now we talked about sort of the issues. Inside, I feel like our inside uh, offensive line is going to be good this year. I mean, we're bringing back they haven't won a lot of games, but they've certainly played a lot of games uh, in, <laughs> in Jordan Roos and, and Jason King. And they're just two big old dudes inside, both, you know, 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", 300 pounds. And they've got a lot of experience. Um, like I said, not a lot of wins, but a lot of game experience. And uh, they're going to be some guys we're going to be leaning on because they're going to be the guys clearing that uh, – 
path for uh, Markel up the middle. And uh, we're going to go with Kirk Barron at center. Um, he's getting most of the snaps at center. And he, I mean, that's what he was supposed to do. We brought him in two years ago to, uh, to uh, play center. Uh, and he's put on the weight. The coaches like his athleticism at the position. He's just going to be a sophomore. So it's a guy that can take hold of the position and uh, hopefully uh, play, be a player for the next three years. Another interesting player on the offensive line that got a lot of reps this spring, which is really, really good, is redshirt freshman Matt McCann. Um, he came from Bishop Chattard. Is that how you pronounce it? Chattard. Chattard. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, came... Just like Chattarded. Yeah, <laughs> Chattard. Okay. So he came there. He probably the first time that Purdue asked him to pass block was the first time he actually ever pass blocked in his life. That his high school team ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. But he's a big old dude, six six, three twenty, and he's mean and he will put you on your butt. And he's a redshirt freshman. Another guy that can maybe get some good reps in behind uh, Sermon this year and take over that right tackle position you know, for another three three years. There is some depth. There's some younger players on this offensive line that are should be coming along. We've got basically the last remnant of the uh, Hope era here on, in the inside with uh, Roos and King. And then um, it'll be sort of all Hazel, for better or worse, um, after this year. It's just that left tackle spot. You know, and to say that, that's probably the most one of the most important positions on the field. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, you look at the left tackles, offensive linemen, they get drafted high. They're all left tackles. Right now, I don't – I see like a half of one on Purdue's roster until, until Neil gets here. So hopefully he can hit the ground running and give us give us something. Because if anything, you got to think that at least Patterson's going to need some breaks. Uh, during the game to keep him fresh to maybe get help him get to that uh, you know speed rush in the fourth quarter. So the offensive line one big one big hole. The rest of it you know is pretty much uh, you know ironed out. I think you could basically say right now Roos King at the guards, uh, Baron at center, and uh, probably Sermon at right tackle, and then just hope and pray that somebody can play left tackle if it's Patterson or Neal or combination of the two um but that's what you got to sort of keep your fingers crossed for coming in on to maybe sort of a little brighter spot is the running back position while it was obviously terrible that uh um, we had that injury um to dj knox uh during the spring game and i had a sweet new nickname for him i was going to start calling him the muscle gerbil because he kind of looks like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he he kind of looks like uh, what's his name from Tampa Bay, Doug Martin. He's got that same tiny build with giant muscles. He blew a wheel, um, so hopefully, you know, he hasn't used his redshirt year yet, so it's not a terrible. I mean, it could be worse. It's obviously terrible, but it could be worse because so he'll have the whole year and he'll maintain his junior eligibility without having to worry about. Uh, you know, medical red shirt or fifth year thing, which is always, you know, a crapshoot and just ask Keith Smith. With Knox going down, obviously that definitely cements Markel Jones already cemented as the uh, starter. Um, and he's a bad man and he's got giant, giant thighs. Um, and he runs with uh, anger. Jones is going to hold down, obviously, that starting position. You're going to see him pounded between the tackles. With the Jones injury, though, it does bring up an interesting opportunity uh, for Purdue to possibly have a little bit a different look for that second back because basically we went you go from Markel Jones power back to DJ Knox power back neither of them are I mean obviously they could probably outrun all of us but in terms of college football speed I don't know about Juan I hear Juan's pretty fast but um, as far as college football speed goes neither of them are true burners so you maybe have a chance to get maybe a little bit more of an athlete on the field. Um, you could see a guy like Tario Fuller maybe making a move. He's a redshirt freshman out of Georgia um, who I really liked uh, coming out. He's a guy with that sort of 
more of an upright running style, but he's got that extra gear. Um, Purdue's also bringing in um, a burner from Florida and Brian Langford Johnson, a guy that has been sort of under the radar, but the guy is legit 4-4. Um, he's got good size. Um, it could possibly, you know, he could carve a niche out um, on the roster. And there's Keontae Green. If he, if, he if he's allowed to play. If he's allowed to play. If he's in shape. And he's sort of, I see Keontae Green as probably the, if, God forbid, something happens to Markel Jones, he's that next power back probably up, up in line. Again, good between the tackles, just not very fast. David Jancy is another guy. Purdue's got a lot of running backs with, uh, you know, similar styles. Uh, Yancey's a guy, 5'10", 220, kind of does everything, may have some better hands out of the backfield, so he might be an option. But I really feel like that second uh, running back spot, um, and if Purdue is good, they're going to need it, or if the offense works at all, because, you know, you can't run Jones 30 times a game as much as you'd like to. So that second running back spot is uh, definitely in play right now. Um Maybe Keith Byers is a guy, you know, that finally the light comes on if he gets some some reps. So there's a lot of options, not a lot of proven options, but I'm cautiously optimistic that Purdue is going to be able to fill in that second running back spot by by committee and maybe give uh, give a little more flexibility to the offense. What do you think about What do you think about Richie Worship? Uh, I was kind of impressed with him on Saturday. He is a very large human being that looks like he could knock a lot of people over. <laughs> or yeah. do we have Brandon Cottom 2.0 with him? See, I don't see Richie Worship as really ever going to be a what you would consider a running back. I think he's going to play a lot. He's going to play that sort of H-back. We're going to flex him out as a tight end. We're going to put him in motion. We're, we're going to motion him into the backfield on a short yardage, either as a fullback or the tailback. We're also might get him some touches out, out in space and let him just hammer down some pe- uh, people in the secondary because Richie Worship is a beast at 6'1", 250. But um, if you go back and watch some of his high school film, He's not just a plotter. He's not just a guy that's got that one gear that's going to get you three yards if you need three yards and three yards if you need five yards. He's a guy that can get out and get going. And once that train gets going, you don't don't want to get in front of it. I'll be so bold to say he's the closest thing in a running back Purdue's recruited uh, to Mike Allstott. Whoa! But he's not going to play that. He's not going to have that sort of... Uh, Role possibly ju- at the goal line. That's the that's the running style and the feet of of a, of a big man that that he has the potential to have. That's some high praise there, Bre- breaking out the all stud. But I'm just really hoping that we have the ability to use these guys in the right spots and whatnot because I haven't seen that yet under Hazel. Part of that I'm hoping was on Shoop who. I firmly believe went out of his way to actively avoid using a player to his strengths. We still need to see it. We still need to see, oh, hey, worship can do this. Well, let's let him do that. Let's uh, him lead block for Markel Jones. Let's have a rolling out quarterback or something. And I just, I think we need to see guys in the right spot. And hopefully that's something we can see this fall. Yeah, that's been my biggest other than obviously not winning football games, <laughs> my wow. biggest complaint during the Hazel era, era is you get these two and three star guys in, and they may have one exceptional skill, and you know everything else is a work in progress, and that's why they're a three star guy or a two star guy. We don't use that one skill. We don't put them on the field where they can just be successful, just do this one thing in this one situation just too many players that we bring in and you're just like who i didn't even realize he was on the roster and so i mean you've got to you've got to have usable guys and i feel like we've got some guys that have been overlooked that may not be the best all-around football players but can do one thing really well and hopefully we figure out how to maximize that 
I mean, we saw Purdue have, you know, a guy like Raheem Mostert who's blazing fast, and we decided that we were going to try to run in between the tackles 20 times a game, and I was so confused by that. Um, but hopefully, this is the mantra that hopefully has all been flushed out and some more competent heads will be working here. Now, speaking, speaking of uh, using the guys the right way, uh, David Blau versus Elisha Sindelar, pretty much a dead even coming out of camp, I would say, or spring football here, I would say. Maybe Blau has a slight advantage because of his experience, uh, but he also, he threw two interceptions in spring game and Sindelar did not. In fact, Sindelar led his team down the field for the game-winning drive as time was expiring. Yeah, I, you know, at Purdue, I feel like he's in a really good spot. At the at the quarterback position, um, I feel like better than the Etling, um, who put up just awful numbers in the LSU spring game. Um, so everybody's saying that, you know, Purdue's going to have two starting SEC quarterbacks. Etling was just miserable in the uh, at the LSU spring game. But um, I think I think this uh, Blau Sindelar combo, um, and they're. Vastly different quarterbacks, too. I mean, Sindelar is a kid, you know, you look at him and you say, okay, he looks he looks like, you know, what you want in a quarterback. I mean, he's a big dude uh, with a strong arm. Um, I think he's probably an underrated athlete. He was a good baseball player in high school, but he's literally the guy 6'5", you know, 6'4", 6'5", 225, 230, with just a gun for an arm. Um, Blau is more, I would say... In the sort of Joey Elliott, I mean, Drew Brees sort of mold, a little smaller, more of a playmaker than a, than a true arm talent. Um, but, I mean, I don't care if you throw the ball 100 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour. If it gets where it needs to go, you get in the end zone. I think I think Hazel wants Blau to be the answer um, this year. I think he's tired of breaking in new quarterbacks all the time. Like I said, if Sindelar wins the job, that's actually really good for Purdue because that means he beat out a really good player to get there. Um, and I, I've been impressed with Blau too. I think he, I think his accuracy came through, and I really liked what he did uh, with his Elite Eleven showing coming out of high school and whatnot. And I, I've always kind of viewed him. I've tried not to compare him to Breeze, but when Breeze himself kind of gave him his blessing coming to Purdue, and they're both out of Texas, both similar size, both all about accuracy. You can't help but think and hope, hey, maybe maybe it's the second coming of him. Yeah, just with Blau, you got to see him win. He didn't win a lot in high school. You know, he played for Creekview down here in Texas, and they're not a – they're not a power. You know, he was sort of the guy, you know, trying to make all the plays there. He sort of came in. You know, he did that last year at Purdue. He was the guy, and you saw you saw some of those bad habits um, occasionally flare up where, you know, he just chucks it up in the air because, I mean, that's what he had to do in high school, and that's sort of, what, I mean, almost kind of what he had to do That's uh, last year. And you saw some of those sort of head-scratching punt interceptions from Blau. If he can get that under control uh, and just play within his abilities, I think – I think Blau's going to be the guy this year, and I think we're going to have a really good backup quarterback, um, and I think this is going to be a competition that sort of, in a positive way, goes on for a while. Sindelar clipping at Blau's heels in, a, in sort of a better way than I think the Etling-Appleby uh, situation we had uh, recently. And they've got the receivers, I think, to be successful this year because they've got a ton of senior receivers that, you know, honestly should be pretty good. I thought Cameron Posey looked good. Um, D'Angelo Yancey has obviously uh, got some talent and can be a really great receiver. And the one that kind of impressed me the most, honestly, on Saturday was Dan Monteroso, who I think is in line for probably a pretty good year. He He had a nice long touchdown catch and – uh, seemed to be able to get open, and he even did a good job returning kicks. See, I feel like this is where you're really going to see the absence of the shoot fence uh, pay off uh, for Purdue, both in the quarterback play and and the wide receiver play, because it's no longer this drawn out, complicated. If the DB is playing five yards off, you've got to switch to this route. If he's playing seven yards off. 
if he has inside plays inside leverage that goes to this route I think this year you're going to see guys, you're going to see some more slants. You're going to see some more slant and goes. You're going to see just some more goes. They're going to cut down the reads for the receivers and the quarterback. So maybe you see a guy like Monteroso who maybe was not super great at, you know, reading defenses as, you know, a college football player really. So then that's why he wasn't on the field really um, step up and, make a play because I mean he's a big dude and he can jump and he's fast and I just want to see him get on top of the safety and beat him for a ball and I feel like that was so much of the problem with Shoop is we just didn't play football it was all oh I'm gonna try to outthink him outflank him you know we're gonna run these different uh complicated uh reads um and we just didn't play a lot of football and that's I that's where a lot I, I have to, in retrospect, some of those, like, what what's going on interceptions that you would occasionally see where we would just drill the defensive back, you know, between the numbers with nobody within, like, five yards on our team. Oh, you mean the first play of the season last year? Yeah, the first play of the season <laughs> where you're like, what? Yeah, that's that was obviously either a misread by the receiver or the quarterback. Now, looking back, I kind of feel bad about, you know, putting all that on Etling and Appleby. Um, after hearing sort of the inner workings of the shoot fence where, God, you've got to make that receiver's got to make that, that read too. And if you don't both make the same read, you're drilling it into the, you know, into the, the defensive back. So um, I think this year I like Monteroso on the outside as a big guy. We've got that speed on the outside with, you know, a guy like D'Angelo Yancey, who's hopefully – Hopefully, just spent, does nothing but catch footballs like 12 hours a day because that's the only thing that's really holding him back is his hands just being consistent with it. You know, he's just been has the reputation of one of those guys that can make the big catch. And then, oh, God, were, I can't even remember what game it was where it was just like the perfect play and it hits him squarely in the hands for a touchdown and it just nothing right through. So, I mean, but Yancey's got that ability. Posey's another guy I feel like can get on the field and be an athlete that maybe uh, under uh, Malone, that maybe he couldn't get on the field under uh, under Shoup, a guy that can come out and run these little slant, slant patterns, little drag routes, and um, get some catches and, and actually get a use of his athleticism. We didn't get to see Jarrett Burgess. Uh, on this spring, I think he was out with a hamstring, something like that. But, I mean, that's another guy that if you can just get him to do one thing really well. And last year, he was one of the few players that his talent was so undeniable that they couldn't keep him off the field. And they only ran one play with him the entire year, which was that... Uh, Oh. Yeah, he had a he had a touchdown. I know he had a touchdown against uh, Bowling Green on the jet sweep, and then he, yeah. I think he had another jet sweep he took for like thirty yards or something. Something. Yeah, I, yeah. The, he was the jet sweep guy, and so if you can, if he's you know his hands are, are better, and you know he's a guy that probably knows how to put in the work coming from minor league baseball and being a former professional athlete to uh, you know be able to sort of grind it out. Bilal Marshall is a guy that can step up. He's another senior. Um, don't overlook Dominique Young, who had a really good year last year as coming out of uh, California as a JUCO. I think he's just one of those rock-solid guys that are gonna gonna get their head in there. They're gonna make the play. They're gonna you know, be willing to take that hit over the middle. Um, he's just a real tough guy um, that, you know, every team needs out there at wide receiver. A man from France uh, has been hurt more than I'd like. Uh, Anthony Mahungu. I hope I didn't totally butcher that. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, size. I mean, all our guys are going 6'2", 6'3", big dudes. The only sort of question I have is that slot position where I usually see somebody – you know, a little quicker. Um, <clears throat> that's where you could see a couple of true freshmen possibly coming in and making an impact with uh, Jack Wagner, uh, Wager, who is uh, already on campus. He was there this spring. And, you know, he's a kid coming out of uh, oh, that football factory down there at IMG now. You know, he's had basically professional level coaching for the last two years. So he would be a guy that I would think would probably 
assimilate quickly to the college game since he's basically been, you know, he's been living at a football, you know, specific boarding school. I mean, they do other things at IMG, but that's sort of the thing. And he's got the bloodlines. His brother was the, uh, uh, his brother played running back for Iowa um, and did really well there and got in a little trouble. I think he was on the uh, Panthers squad last year. Um, so that's a fairly, uh, you know, athletic family. Uh, another guy, you know, that you could see if we can figure out how to get him on the field is uh, a wide receiver this year is Javante Ferguson because he's got he's the fastest player in high school last year in the nation um, as far as track speed goes. Uh, he ran, won the 100, 100 at the AAU championships. I think he won the 100, uh, another one of those uh, sort of impressive track meets. Um, come out of Jacksonville. He is a tiny little dude at like 5'8", like, you know, 160, 165. Never stopped Vinny Sutherland, though. Didn't stop Vinny, didn't stop, hadn't stopped a lot of people. If, you know, there's always, you always worry about those track athletes. Are they just a track guy who's out there to play, plays football because he's fast? Or is he a football player that also runs track? And there's sort of, you know, Fairly big difference between the two. I remember uh, when I was at Clemson, uh, Corey Crawford. I don't know if you guys, I think his first name is Corey. His last name is Crawford. He was the Olympic, I think he ran the 200 in the Olympics, was like first or second. Um, He was on our football team, but he was a track guy that just uh, was playing football because he was fast and didn't really take any of the hits or couldn't make any of the plays. Um, So hopefully Ferguson's one of those guys that both a football player and a track guy because God knows we could use some electricity in, uh, in, uh, our stadium. How, oh, yeah. how about as a kickoff returner for someone like him or, uh, uh, the Langford kid at running back? I mean, yeah, I could see, I could see either of those two or both of them coming in and doing running, uh, returning kicks. Uh, punts are a little different beast. They're take. I mean, you've got to have really good hands to return punt. That's why a lot of times you see maybe guys that you wouldn't expect, and maybe not the best athletes, but the guy that can really bring the ball in. Uh, but as far as kick returners go, I could see either of them making an impact or even both of them. I wouldn't mind putting that Florida duo out there, uh, one from Melbourne, one from Jacksonville, and letting them go. Uh, show them what we do down south. So uh, I guess now that we've talked about the offense, let's. Uh, well, we got one uh, more position group. One more position group. I know we're trying to oh, get we the better, better calls. Yeah, we got to get the tight ends. We got to talk. Oh, yeah. give, I got to talk to talk about my man Bryson uh, here just for a second. Oh uh, yeah, he's a grown ass. He is a grown ass man playing tight end. He is yeah. a large man. He was he was the guy I've been I've been pumping up since uh, you know Purdue signed him. Um, I was surprised he redshirted last year. Honestly, six five two fifty, and he is an athlete. I think Terry Malone's gonna find a way find a way to use his skill set. He was a basketball he was a great basketball player in high school coming out of Nashville, and I think they're gonna find a way to use him in the red zone that's going to make me happy. Can he break the press and just send him across the street to painter? Possibly. I think you could put him, put at least put him in the center circle and throw the, uh, throw the little lob up to him. I don't think anybody's going to, uh, body him off that, uh, sort of long pass there. So maybe we can get him some double duty. Um, uh, I always wanted, I always wanted to see Kwan short play a year of basketball for painter just as a, uh, power forward or all he had to do is uh, rebound set screens and in general dish out pain so yeah yeah Quan short would oh could you imagine being blocked <laughs> instead, out by that guy oh instead my God, he got he a was... nice contract from the panthers so yeah, well, there's that yeah he would break thighs boxing out he would just snap your thighs <laughs> off with his butt that would be it didn't who is a davis wasn't didn't he come out and play uh he played basketball for that one year where Char- had charles, like four guys. charles davis yeah charles davis uh because uh they said something like i couldn't come back i didn't have any eligibility since i had not played that we yeah. were down to that bad 
Yeah, he wasn't. I remember him not being like from like a guy kind of off the street, not being terrible. Um, no, in, in, in the sense of you know, you didn't want him to actually shoot or dribble or make any sort of actual basketball move. But yeah, if you needed somebody to rebound or set a screen, he was great. So the so, tight end uh, position, yeah, Bryson Hopkins. He's my uh, he's my predict or my hope for even if it's not this year. Uh, he's a guy I could see being a star. Uh, he's a guy I could see being, you know, a first-round pick. Um, he's got that sort of physical ability. And uh, you got to think he's getting the coaching, too, with, you know, Terry Malone there in a run of the offense. Cole Herdman's another guy you're going to see. He's a good. He's another big kid, 6'4", 240. Uh, Jess Trussell coming out of Texas, 6'6", 240. Um, we're going to have some big bodies, some options in the red zone. Herdman got the most playing time last year. As, and he was, you know, we didn't really hardly throw to the tight end at all. And like I said, I really kind of put, almost put Richie Worship in that sort of tight end H-back uh, category um, as a guy that you'll see at the on the ends of the lines on occasion and moving him in to the backfield or using him as that extra blocker on the line to help out a guy like uh, uh, Patterson. And that's another thing. I think with our size at tight end, um, you might see us hold in some guys and really help out that left tackle some uh, this year. Yeah, so that's the offense. I think it will be better than last year. I think we're going to see a lot of Jones up the middle. We're going to see some play-action passing, and we're going to see more of a – Quick passing game, not so much the the horizontal game, but more of the quick vertical game, uh, in the seams and on the slants. Um, I was I wasn't at the spring game. I didn't see all of it. Travis, did you see us throw a lot of twenty to thirty yard sideways passes? Uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of screens over, or slants over the middle, and that's where that's where Cameron Posey seemed to have a lot of success. And I know he had a pretty good freshman year. By comparison, I mean, as good as it could be in 2013 or or whatever, Hazel's, they're all running together, all the losses. (laughs) He had a really good freshman year, and then he's just kind of leveled off. I know he had the ACL injury that slowed him down and everything, but I think he kind of can take over in that Danny Anthrop inside receiver role, be pretty solid there. Uh, Same with maybe some Gregory Phillips, too. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm hoping for too from those guys. I just want to see, I want to see the quick passing game up the field instead of across the field. I mean, oh, you just, want to bring back? You want to bring back the Nord fence of uh, bubble screens every down? No, no, I want to see us go down the field, not across. I'm so tired <laughs> of going across the field. Only I, Ohio I State goes across the field. Yeah, they're fast. <laughs> well, they have a lot better players than us. Yeah. No, so you, you didn't see what I did there. Their fight song is called Across the Field. Come oh, on. Oh, wow. you're too smart for either of us. Well, that was and our this is from somebody at Michigan. That was our, that was our, the tune to our fight song in high school was the tune to Ohio State's Across the Field. So, yeah, uh, there's a little bit of irony there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, sorry, you know, my, my joke will only be appreciated by those uh, who know the other school's fight songs. But that's all. And, and we need to trust Juan when it comes to talking about our, lo- our, new center Kirk Barron because they went to the same high school. That is the fighting. What the hell are you guys fighting of uh, Mishawaka Marians? <laughs> the Knights. <laughs> the, oh, the Knights. I almost said cavemen, but I know that's the uh, regular school in Mishawaka. Yeah, it's, it's Mishawaka. Yeah, and most people out of Mishawaka have the intelligence of a caveman, so it's appropriate for them. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, all North our North listeners... North. All our listeners in Mishawaka, that's uh, send your uh, complaint to Juan Crespo. I think that's at Air Force Juan. Um, <laughs> or Juan Way Street on Instagram. <laughs> oh, Juan Way Street. I like that. I, which I'm going to take a little bit of a moment for my uh, soapbox here. What the hell is the point of Instagram? Ooh, congratulations. You can post a photo. Well, you could also post a photo on Twitter, okay? So for there's me- no need for. For me, it's my lazy way of if I just have to upload it to Instagram, then it goes on to Facebook and Twitter. So it just it saves me the time of having to post on the both. That's the only reason why I have an Instagram account. Oh, well. 
kids today with your rock music and marijuana cigarettes. Uh, tell you what. And here comes old man Travis. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting fired up. Geritol's kicking in. He's getting ready. You know, he had to sign up for AARP earlier today, so. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, we got 19 minutes till Better Call Saul. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we can uh, we can leave our listeners with bated breath for our next podcast where we can talk about the defense. Uh, oh yeah, let's I, I, let's let's, let's uh, stretch it out a little bit. I like that. Let's uh, yeah, let, let's do that. And uh, we we, I know there is. We don't want our listeners drunk at the end of this podcast because they're just going to have to keep drinking beer, talk listening about football, right? Uh, Although oh, Drew yeah. is very optimistic here, it seems so. <laughs> Yeah, I am, I'm feeling better about the offense. I, re- I really am. Um, as I said, semi-competent, which yeah. is a vast improvement. And the well, schedule is favorable, too, at least the opening. The first five games are a lot more favorable than what we've had in the last three seasons. All right, well, well we, had, we had favorable two years ago, and we got drilled by Central Friggin' Michigan. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I'm, I just hope those days are behind us. I really, I want Hazel. It would be so much better for Purdue football if Hazel could get it together and figure it out this year and not get fired or whatever. I think the happen. only way I think the only way he figures it out is if the biggest problem all along was Shoop. Yeah, and because yeah. I. I've come to loathe the the shoot fence. Just, I was so elated when he's gone, and I know I know somebody was like, "Hey, somebody lost their job here." He was making like five hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever it was to be incredibly and absolutely lousy at his job. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm not gonna cry over a grown man not doing a job well and getting fired while being paid after being paid more money, you know, than I could think about. That's not going to. And then to have the audacity to come back and say that he was let go, not because he was absolutely lousy at his job, but because he was standing up for student rights. No, no, that ain't how it worked. Yeah, that was interesting. And well, Ledman and Casey talked about that last week. So you should go back to last week's podcast and listen to that and bump up their listens. Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. Their egos are tied to their podcast listens. So um, if you need to, uh, if you guys could please listen to them so they stop being <laughs> so emo on our group chats about their <laughs> podcast listens. I'm pretty sure their podcast got a boost because I put it at the bottom of the announcement that Villanova was coming to Purdue. Like there was a nice <laughs> little spike that day. Well, there you go. So. Casey and Ledman, if you're listening, I, I expect a thank you letter. All right. Oh, so, hey, I got five more minutes, right, since we're not we're going to not talk about the defense. I do want to talk right. quick, quickly about the uh, some of the players that we've got coming in that you're not going to see this year on the offensive side of the ball that I think are going to be uh, – at least I can give you a little more information on them. Uh, let's just sort of go down the list real quick. we got another Anthrop coming in, Jackson and he, Anthrop. And he technically – will uh, not even be a freshman, true freshman, until fall of 2017. Yeah, I didn't know how that was going to shake out, if a, if a scholarship opened up for him or not. Um, he's just another one of those long line of anthropes that will probably beat you at any sport you want to challenge them in. Um, and I, I think he actually, because the way that I've seen it is, is he will enroll January 2017. Uh, he'll be on football scholarship. Uh, but I believe there is talk of him actually playing baseball, which is his better sport. And Lord knows baseball could use him. <laughs> and didn't he also play basketball? Wasn't he also yeah, decent? Yeah. I've, if you, I mean, LCC is a small enough school that if you're a great football player, you also play basketball and whatnot. So. All right. So we got another Anthrop coming in. Uh, we got this kid, Alex Criddle, his offensive lineman from Tulsa. Another big kid, 6'4", 3'10", going to probably be, you know, you're not going to see him for two or three years. Uh, he'll redshirt this year, obviously, getting that weight room, but he's got some size to work with. Uh, J.D. Dellinger's a guy, and I didn't talk about him on the offense, but he's a guy that's got to, he's got to come in and he's got to be good or we're in trouble. Yeah, uh, the, the kick, that was uh, one thing about spring, uh, the kicking game in the spring was, 
was really bad, um, really bad. I think we missed a 27-yard field goal in the spring game. Uh, the mm. last, the the last extra point attempt was a botched snap, where you had a kicker who was running for his life with the football. It was <laughs> looking like he was just praying that he could throw it, but there was nobody open. So. So, JD, if you're listening, uh, I, I hope I hope you're you're practicing hard because, uh, yeah, you you you're the guy. <laughs> I, um, I think we I think we saw here in the spring exactly why uh, none of the walk-on guys had a chance to take over for Griggs last year. Yeah, and yeah. that's saying something because yeah, Griggs and, had and, a terrible year. And, well, and that's the thing. You went like a full yeah. not attempting a field goal because not even Hazel trusted him anymore. Yeah, six ga- the first he didn't attempt a field goal, I believe, in the first six games of the Big Ten season. Yeah, didn't we go for it on fourth down more than like any team in the nation? I, I yeah, think that was the we one thing awesome. we led the nation in was like because we just like we couldn't kick a field goal. So what <laughs> mm-hmm. One brick um, higher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, all right. Let's let's not get let's not get bogged down in the past, gentlemen. We're moving forward. That also, brick, and I, basketball at times. That brick has been laid. Now we're on top of that brick. And and the thing is, I like Griggs. I thought he was a pretty good, serviceable kicker for three years, but he clearly had the yips last year. It just just didn't have it. There's yeah, not when that happens. Nothing. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah kicking is all between the ears. I mean, you got to have the physical stuff, but I mean, so many guys, you can get soccer players out there that can kick 30, 35, 40 yard field goals when when they're by themselves with a holder. But as soon as you put, you know, an offensive line and a defensive line and people in the stands, they're, you know, duck hooking it 30 yards to the left or coming up 10 yards short. So, yes, kicking's a, a big part of the mental game. Hopefully, Mr. Uh, Dellinger comes in and uh, has that going on for him. Um, couldn't be much worse, though. Uh, let's see. Some of the other guys I want to talk about. I already mentioned Javante Ferguson, fastest player in the nation on Purdue. Not bad. Um, he was also, I think he was originally committed to Oregon State. So all of you that love other Power 5 offers, um, he's a guy that definitely had one. Benaya Franklin is a guy coming in from Georgia, out of our Georgia pipeline. Six foot two, 205, another really good baseball player, two-sport athlete. He's going to redshirt um, this year with so many seniors. He's a guy that you might see down the line as more of a power, uh, powerful sort of outside receiver. We went to Arizona, got Tanner Hawthorne. We were looking for tackles, and we found two of them this year. Uh, Hawthorne's going to be 6'6", uh, come in 275, 280, obvious candidate for a red shirt. Unless something goes terribly, terribly wrong, um, you'll probably see him at, uh is a guy that might play some right tackle, could play left tackle, might move inside, but he's definitely got some upside. Guy I'm really high on is Grant Hermans from Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And I'll tell you, I was at, when I was in that uh, moving van headed up from College Station to Denver, uh, we went through New Mexico, and I had no idea there were such barren places in the world. So, um, but Herman's is a really interesting guy. He's, you know, six seven, six eight. He's, he's on the obviously the small side for uh, offensive tackle at this point, like two sixty five, two seventy. But um, and his dad let me know this: he did win the heavyweight wrestling state championship in New Mexico at that size. So you got to think he's pretty athletic uh, and in pretty good shape to do that. How many state wrestling champs do we have on the team now? Well, at least two with Galen Robinson. Yeah, and uh, I know that uh, Wyatt Cook was also a really good wrestler uh, in high school, too. So we may just have to challenge other Big Ten teams to wrestling competitions. I I don't think we want to do that, not with Penn State and Iowa and Minnesota and Ohio State and all of them. That's true. I guess they're getting wrestling champs out of Iowa and we're getting them out of New Mexico and Indiana so it's probably mm-hmm. yeah, yeah maybe don't want to do that I think we may be challenging Indiana to a wrestling competition I think we may take them I think we can get behind that let's see who else we got I'm going to go through the list real quick Terrence Landers uh, he's probably our most well overall one of our highest regarded recruits he's a wide receiver 6'4 
kid out of Dayton. Um, he could have gone to a lot of different places. But, you know, I think the depth chart at Purdue after this year is wide open at wide receivers. Wide receiver and Landers. I mean, Landers, based on rivals, had an Iowa uh, offer. Other Big Ten schools are poking around. Pittsburgh had an offer. Bowling Green was obviously, um, you know, a pass-happy offense. Um, he had an offer there. He's a guy big on coming out. Probably not this year, but um, guy that you're going to hopefully see in the future is uh, the next good outside Purdue receiver. Maybe, hopefully, thinking back to Orton, maybe. Let's see. Langford Johnson I talked about. He's that burner from Melbourne. Travis, you saw some of his highlights, didn't you? Um, I think so, yeah. He, he He's fast, and he'll be interesting. And uh, I don't care who you are. You run for 1,800 yards and 22 touchdowns. It's, it's a pretty good year. And, and he was playing at a high division uh, in, in Florida. It's not like he was running up against scrubs in a private school. He was public school. Um, with, I mean, I was looking at that all Florida team that that he was, I guess, a part of, and uh, I mean, there was a lot of five star guys on that team. So, I mean, he's a guy. He, I think, he's got sort of lost in the recruiting shuffle. Um, I think he was in, at, he was living in Minnesota until he was a junior, and then he moved down to Florida and sort of blew up there. Um, so, I mean, he's a guy I'm big on. I think you might see him on the field this year. Jalen Neal, I talked about, he's got to play. I think if he doesn't play, that's <laughs> a huge, huge issue um, that uh, we may not recover from. And the final guy I want to talk about uh, well, is uh, Jared Sparks. Um, and this kid is coming out of Louisiana. It's coming out of a great high school that produces a lot of Division One talent. If you watch his uh, film, he makes plays. He is a straight-up playmaker. Um, he's probably not the most fundamentally sound quarterback as far as if you want him to sit back or run, you know, read the defense. But he can move, and he's got a cannon. And hopefully our new quarterback coach can harness that because he is an exciting athlete. I think if you don't see him at quarterback, you'll see him somewhere. Um, he's got crazy feet. Sort of reminded me of... Uh, you know, high school plays that like Johnny Manziel would make where you're like, where did he come from? He's all of a sudden outside the tackle throwing across the field for a touchdown or um, stuff like, uh, you know, just plays like that where he should be down, but instead he scores a touchdown. Hopefully with less snorting of cocaine off of Sturper's buttockses. Yes, yes, yes. I understand. Mr. Sparks is an upstanding citizen, and that should not should not be a well problem. Well, then. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on the field, Johnny Manziel. Off the field, definitely not. Yeah. Although to be honest, I'd become an alcoholic myself if I had to play for the Cleveland Browns. So or or live in College Station this long. Oh, wait. That's right. <laughs> and that explains a lot out of Drew. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh my. Okay, well on that note, we will we will save the defense for the next time and They want the D, uh, Travis. Will, They'll get the D next week. They will get the D next week. Oh yeah. That's okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's so listening to this anymore, so we can pretty much say what we <laughs> Yeah, they, they want. probably tuned out because it's like, wait, he's still talking about football? Like, yeah, no, they were like, Villanova basketball game. Yes, yes, okay. And I'm out. Uh, right. So any final thoughts, Juan? Uh, nothing from me. I mean, Drew's outlook's helping, feeling a little optimistic, but I'm hoping that that optimism will probably get blown away uh, within the first two weeks of Purdue football. So. And you're um, also in Michigan. You're going to get to see Harbaugh. This is true. I have season tickets from Michigan football again. Yeah. Well, when the satellite camps were canceled, did you have to go wipe his tears, or was that like somebody else's? Job? No, I think there wasn't any tears. I was probably holding back his wrath. And did like, he get, like, did he he never get like, t- angry naked and like run around like screaming? Because I could see that. I could see <laughs> Actually, him being like an angry naked guy. Well, that's his morning routine. So. <laughs> 
There was an article okay. in the last year that it was like Harbaugh starts off his day running six miles, screaming at the top of his lungs. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, my final thought, Morgan, put the check in the mail, buddy. I can't carry your water forever. Gotta start sending me those checks. Hey, he's and they better not bounce this time. He's Last time, Social Security here. He's retiring, so he should be able to send that money towards you. He, send oh, that yeah. money, and it better not bounce. And I don't take coupons anymore. <laughs> uh, Sorry, and I, oh, you're fine. Uh, yeah. My final thought then is, uh, hey, baseball actually won a game. Woo-hoo. Hey, and, and we beat a team that will probably go to the NCAA tournament too. So suck it, Michigan State. Yeah. You I, just can lost to a, I can agree yeah. to that. <laughs> just waiting to get hot. Is there a Big Ten? How does, is there a Big Ten baseball tournament? Do you get like an automatic qualifier if you win it? Uh, yes, there's a Big Ten tournament. The winner of it does get the automatic bid to the NCAA's. However, you have to finish in the top eight in the regular season standings to qualify oh. for the Big Ten tournament. So and we better get hot soon. Is that what you're saying? With 12 games to play, Purdue is five out of the eighth spot and comfortably in – I want to say comfortably in last place. They are a game behind Northwestern for last place. Boo. A game behind Northwestern anything usually isn't good. But we do, we do play Northwestern in a few weeks, so that will be your baseball Big Ten cripple fight. The battle <laughs> for the basement. All righty then. <laughs> So for Juan and uh, Drew and myself, uh, we wish you another good week. Uh, Keep looking forward to uh, getting the D next week when we talk about (laughs) football. My wife just laughed at me at that one. and She's probably laughing because she's not used to getting the D. (laughs) Oh, shots fired. Juan's been holding back. Juan's been holding back, listening to Purdue, listening to things about Purdue football. It's violently raging. Oh.